Simplify podcast listeners. Today's podcast is a discussion between Rhonda McGill, Senior Director of Client Solutions at Performline, and Tony Alexis, partner at Goodwin Law and former Assistant Director and Head of the Office of Enforcement at the CFPB, where he developed and managed the CFPB's enforcement strategy, consumer financial investigations, and litigation. During today's podcast, they discuss UDAP compliance under CFPB Director Chopra. Specifically, the rescission of the CFPB's guidance on abusiveness standard in 2020 and how it impacts organizations today, the recent update to the UDAP examination manual to include discrimination under unfair, the recent notable UDAP enforcement actions, and the CFPB's crackdown on repeat offenders and how that ties into UDAP. As always, thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Um, So... Back in um, 2020, the CFPB under Director Kraninger um, released a policy statement that provided a framework on how the Bureau intended to apply the abusiveness standard under UDAP. But in 2021, under a new administration, acting director um, at that time, UA Hope, the CFPB soon rescinded that same policy. So what do you think the implications of this are for organizations even a year later under now Director Rohit Chopra? Uh, That's a good question. You know, going back to 2020, uh, and that was so long ago, if you think about it. (laughs) It was like it. (laughs) Yeah. You consider what we've gone through. Uh, When when the CFPB issued that guidance, my sense was there were some people who didn't feel even the guidance provided, but so much. Uh, you know, my sense is a lot of people were looking for what's the magic formula that I can plug into my risk assessment, that can plug into my compliance program and, uh, you know, and and fix something given the fact that it is now a regulatory violation. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that the guidance really uh, got you there. My sense is Dave Weigio probably took the position and I, you know, I don't know if it's good government or bad government, but he took the position that he didn't want to be restrained on a going forward basis for four years uh, to have uh, guidance and guidelines with regard to, uh, you know, the abusive standard uh, and, uh, you know, and got rid of it. My sense from reading it was like, I can't think of anything that was overly objectionable uh, to today. But nevertheless, I think industry itself became somewhat uh, concerned because when you're building a compliance program, you take known risk and, you know, in addition to uh, unfair and deception is abusive. And you want to have as many parameters in order to help you guide your team and also to provide to the person on the line who is there day by day, what are the operational functions that I should be able to keep an eye out to make sure that I'm not behaving or the company's not behaving in a manner in which a consumer uh, would, would feel was abusive or a regulator feel is abusive. Uh, I, my sense is ultimately it, it, it doesn't really change too much. My sense and the reason why I say this is because it's an incredibly new standard. Uh, you know, it's, it's got about a decade of history, mm-hmm. a decade of history, even during the Bureau's most aggressive period or periods, you know, abusive was not 
uh, cited as a regulatory violation, you know, very often, you know, a handful of times. And and my sense is, uh, you know, like I said, the guidance is helpful. Not having the guidance, uh, I'm not too sure, is all that risky. Now, with that said, the challenge is Director Chopra has specifically said in Congress and in speeches and other forums that he wants to build up abusive uh, authority through litigation. And, you know, as part of that litigation, you'll have uh, opinions from courts, you'll have opinions from courts of appeals, you'll have opinions from the regulatory, uh, you know, administrative court. And at some particular point, uh, there, there will be kind of a, a system or body of knowledge that defines abusiveness in a consumer product uh, environment. Hmm, okay, thank you. So in March of this year, the CFPB announced that discrimination is now considered unfair under UDAP, and they updated the examination model to reflect this change. So what do you think of this change, and how do you think it's going to impact the Bureau's supervisory and enforcement actions moving forward? So, yeah, I mean, so think about, you know, some of the challenges the CFPB probably saw uh, and, and especially, you know, during the pandemic and even not during the pandemic. Otherwise, the uh, ALCOA, which is the leading, uh, you know, regulatory tool that you have at the Bureau for Discrimination, especially in the fair lending world, only applies to credit. And so if you're not talking about a credit deposit, and that's like a credit card lending, those types of things, then those could run the risk of being a violation of ACOA. Mm-hmm. But if it's not credit, say it is a deposit product, or let's say it's opening a deposit account, uh, at, at, at that particular point, ACOA would not apply, again, because it's, uh, it's credit. But let's just say that you got some you know, incredibly uh, dicey information from the financial institution that showed that they were systemically eliminating people that had, uh, you know, Latino names or in some cases, maybe Middle Eastern names or currently right now as we're in a war uh, between Ukraine and Russia, you saw a name that struck you as potentially open a deposit account because you wanted to protect your obligations under other aspects of the law. Under those circumstances, and it turns out that you're wrong or that your method was over, you know, was too broad. Is that discrimination? And the answer, yeah, it, it, it could be. But the issue is it's not for that particular product in what it, before Chopra got there or Director Chopra got there. It was not part of, uh, of the regulatory toolkit in which you could address that issue. My sense is that's what's going to happen or that's the potential probably uh, opened up this particular uh, query. The issue to me is he started off with the exam manual, 
And it's now going to be up for examiners. And I don't know if you, when reading it, if you'd also notice you mentioned AI. So, yes. <laughs> an algorithmic approach, uh, which could lead to discrimination. discrimination. And the issue uh, is after the exam manual, you, you're probably going to have some aspect of your wider portfolio of people that you supervise and people who you enforce against will be socialized to it and others won't because they would not have been cautioned by examiners or given advice by examiners or told you know what's permissible and impermissible and then the issue becomes if you're not then I can see incredible risk for institutions that behave in a way uh, and uh, that that in which they withhold or somehow change the uh, parameters in which some products and services are offered, uh, you know, in order to meet some uh, particular business need. Mm-hmm. And as a result, they, they're treating people differently for what's really the same product and service. I think some of those companies may find themselves in, in, in a risk and in the crosshairs. So I, I, you know, I wonder if there's going to be a disparity between what enforcement does and what supervision does. Hmm. That is definitely something to look out for. And I guess as things are, as I'm looking at interest rates going up and everyone is kind of at a point of trying to restructure and chase the business model to change it, to flow with the times, this is a definite um, risk opportunity for people to really focus in on. Yes, I mean, reach out to your experts. <laughs> For sure. Um, so to your knowledge, are there any recent notable UDAP enforcement actions um, that could provide our attendees with some sense of where things are headed? It sounds like definitely AI is one of the topics, um, but are there other, are there are there actions that are happening out there that you're you would want them to really focus in on? So, you know, I have to separate out what I've seen. And then also, you know, I, I am a lawyer. And <laughs> the CFPB will tell me. But I would, again, still keep my eye on abusiveness. My sense is I've heard it now cited far more often than I have in the past. Uh, and, you know, just between uh, me and the audience under circumstances in which I'm like, why would you cite that? particular conduct as abusiveness, that's a very, very weak claim, uh, as opposed to just going with your four strong ones. Um, And my sense is, you know, given the fact that the CFPB has also changed its administrative forum, they made some adjustments and some, uh, uh, some amendments in their administrative forum, there may be an opportunity for uh, Mr. Chopra to get what he wished for or, or stated, and that is to have opportunities to litigate abusive claims in the administrative forum and know if an administrative forum is going to be advantageous for anyone, uh, you, know, spe- you know, industry or the CFPB. Uh, but, you know, that's one thing I keep my eye out on. Uh, the other thing I would keep my eye out on in the UDAP space uh, really would be the fact is, you know, because he has not had but so many matters, but he has 
filed contested cases, uh, one against a credit reporting agency, uh, which he at that point uh, branded a repeat offender because of uh, the way uh, it had conducted itself in uh, the, no, no, that was a payday lender uh, mm-hmm. in which it had repeated itself in uh, some exam activity with MRAs, but in addition with some of the MRAs, it had paid uh, uh, dearly some uh, uh, civil sanctions and some other sanctions with the Department of Justice, et cetera. And that was enough to label them a repeat offender. The question I have under those circumstances is, was that one of the catalysts that caused the CFPB to file the suit as opposed to consider? I don't know. It wasn't my case, so I can't tell you what type of conditions uh, that that they imposed or were insisting on imposing that the um, company uh, did not want to undertake. But nevertheless, there's now a lawsuit against one company. As I started off with, there there is also a credit reporting agency, uh, which also was called, uh, you know, kind of fit the recidivist model in the language of the director uh, because it had entered into a consent order with the CFPB a couple of years ago. And um, despite that consent order, uh, they found that there was, uh, you know, according to the complaint, uh, there were allegations that it had uh, repeated itself in terms of some of its misconduct. Um, and, you know, boom, got the recidivist label. My sense is if I commit deception the first time and I commit unfairness the second time, I will probably be in the eyes of the director a repeat offender. Uh, it doesn't have to be the exact prong under UDAP. Do you feel that in that instance, and if I'm not mistaken, they're going up the food chain, food chain, and even hitting like at the board level and or the CEO level, and saying, "Hey, this is a problem, and you need to you need to get out of the business too." Do you feel that there'll be more instances of enforcing folks out um, that are in that repeat offender column? Yeah, you know, potentially. I, I think the issue is that Director Chopra, this is not his first time at the Bureau. Right. It's his second time. He learned a lot the first time he was at the Bureau. My sense is to the extent that you want to address the widest amount of behavior that captures the most people that were either responsible uh, or participated uh, in the conduct. Uh, or, or responsible for making sure that the conduct did not occur, then that person is a related person under the statute. And it's my sense that uh, he's more willing to use that particular tool. Note, one of the critical issues that industry looks at, both uh, depository institution banks and non-banks, has to do with, quote, leveling the playing field. And that's one where there will be disparities in the playing field because the CFPB can't do that against a depository institution. That's written into the statute. Um, But for 
non-depository institutions, it seems that they might actually be fair game for the CFPB to consider some form of activity, whether it's an injunction or whether it's actually, you know, the entire uh, lawsuit that the person may be uh, held responsible. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Comply Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the conversation between Rhonda and Tony around UDAP compliance under CFPB Director Chopra. For additional insights into all things marketing compliance, you can head to content.performline.com and be sure to check out the links and resources in the show notes. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time.